Welcome to Plastics Unwrapped. In this podcast series, you'll hear the experts investigating the innovations as well as the challenges the plastics industry faces. It is hosted by Judy Hicks and brought to you by Dow. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about the EU Green Deal. This is a really significant initiative from the European Commission, which is the executive body of the EU, and it sets out proposed regulatory actions which will tackle a wide range of climate environmental challenges. We've seen a lot of regulation of plastics coming from the EU over the last couple of years, including the ban on use of plastics in certain applications. But what can we expect to happen next? I'm sure many of us have heard about the Green Deal, but we may not have a clear idea of what it's all about and what it actually means for a company like Dow and the wider plastics industry. Dennis Credler from Dow is here with me today, as well as David Carroll from the industry association Plastics Europe, to discuss this in more detail. Hello and welcome. Hi, Judy. Hello. Great to be here. So, Dennis, let's start with you first. Can you start by telling us a little bit more about the Green Deal? Sure. So the Green Deal really is the European Commission's work program. The um, European Commission that's in place right now came into office in December 2019. And the Green Deal really is the plan that they intend to implement over the remaining four years or so that they still have in office now. And what the Commission does is present policy proposals. And so the Green Deal really is a program that tells us the nature of the policy proposals that they will put on the table in the next few years. And the promise that the Green Deal bears is that all those proposals from the environmental and climate change perspective in particular are going to be a coherent and all feed into the delivering the objectives of the Green Deal. But there will be a lot of proposals that will all come at different times. And so it will be a challenging program for all of us. It will be challenging to keep the coherence of this program. Uh, but we certainly see with the Green Deal what is uh, coming and what the intention is. And broadly speaking, what does it mean for a company like Dow in the plastics industry? From the perspective of the plastics industry, the Green Deal really is a logical continuation of the plastic strategy. The plastic strategy was presented by the European Commission in 2018. At the time, it already outlined many different actions that the Commission was going to take, and they did. And some of those actions are now close to being implemented in the market. And there are some others that are still being worked on that will take a little bit longer to come through into the market. But when everything is agreed and then implemented, we will have a framework in place that really will provide a much more circular plastics economy in Europe. Thank you. So the headline goal in the Green Deal seems to be um, the commitment that we want to achieve CO2 neutrality in Europe by 2050. Do you believe this is actually realistic? Well, it's certainly ambitious, but it does really present us with a very clear pathway. We know that Europe wants to achieve climate neutrality by 2050. And actually, Dow has announced new sustainability targets, where we say that we also intend to be carbon neutral as a company by 2050. We are in the interesting position that we are looking at making our own production CO2 neutral, but our products help others to reduce their CO2 emissions as well. 
And so we're looking at a number of actions that we're taking, including, of course, increasing the climate efficiency of our production operations, but also working with our customers and other stakeholders to incentivize more low-carbon innovation. So we will contribute to achieving the Green Deal's carbon neutrality objective as Dow. Great. David, from your perspective, what do you believe the implications are for the whole industry? Thanks, Judy. I think, first of all, we also support, as an industry, the EU's climate neutrality objectives. Uh, When we talk about Green Deal, I think what's important is to remember that we're not only talking here about reducing CO2 or, or carbon neutrality. Equally as important in there are other concepts like zero pollution, circular economy and protecting health. So what it means for us is that this is going to be a transition for our industry. It's not going to be an overnight change. And we are going to be required to bring solutions to achieve these goals. But of course, there's a lot of opportunity there. All of these objectives cannot be achieved without the plastics industry and without the products and the solutions that we all offer to our to our customers every week. And do you believe, um, going back to the CO2 piece, but do you believe that CO2 neutrality is a realistic ambition? Yes, as, as Dennis said, it's, it's a challenge. So the pathway to there might not be evident. There are lots of different solutions that different companies are working on. But uh, I do believe it's realistic and I believe it's probably the only option as well. Dennis, back to you. Um, there was a lot of noise um, the last couple of years about the plastics waste issue. Um, does the focus on climate change mean that plastic pollution is not a top priority for the EU anymore? No, uh, not at all. Um, In fact, climate and plastics pollution very much are two issues that are very much top of mind of uh, policymakers and the public. So uh, we certainly expect that both issues will go hand in hand uh, in terms of us having to find solutions for them. And we're working very strongly to actually um, find solutions uh, to be completely in line with both the policy drive towards carbon neutrality, but also the policy drive towards circularity in the plastics economy. And David, over to you. I mean, the plastics waste crisis really led to a lot of bans and restrictions on single-use plastics. What is Plastics Europe doing about both the CO2 issue and the plastics waste? And are they connected? Yes, definitely. So on the CO2 issue, I think we can't only speak about the benefits of our products for reducing the CO2 emissions of others. We are, of course, uh, as individual companies, working at different solutions to reduce our own emissions. And they can be things like electrification. They can be things like using more renewable energy, CCU, CCS, uh, and using waste. One of the reasons why they are connected is because circularity is such a driver of both uh, reducing CO2 emissions, but also reducing plastic waste. So circularity is sort of the red thread that joins the two of those together. Uh, In terms of reducing waste, I think circularity is not the only show in town. We're looking at lots of new solutions, chemical recycling, but also newer business models, different ways of delivering products to customers, systems like reuse or systems that we mightn't even have imagined, all of which plastics will play a really central role in advancing. And just going back, just so we're very clear for our listeners, could you give us an explanation on CCU and CCS? Is this something that's going to enter mainstream language? 
Yeah, so both of these concepts have been around for a while and haven't yet been fully scaled up, but show a lot of promise. CCU and CCS mean carbon capture and utilization or carbon capture and storage, where we could, for example, imagine a situation where we take CO2 emissions and use them to make new products, even to make new plastics. And some of our members have got some exciting projects going on in, in that area. You also touch upon um, chemical recycling, David, and just for our listeners' benefit, I want to also point out it's known as feedstock recycling and advanced recycling. What is Plastics Europe's role here to drive one of you know this this technology, this innovation forward? I think first and foremost, it's about telling the story of the technology and its potential. In the industry, we maybe sometimes overassume that everybody knows what we're talking about, chemical recycling, feedstock recycling, advanced or enhanced recycling. Um, but the level of awareness among some of our key audiences on these technologies might not be where it is inside the industry. So one of our focus areas is make sure that people understand what those technologies are in particular what their potential are in making plastics a truly circular material. The other role that I see for us in this area of, of recycling is, of course, making sure that the policy framework fits. The legislation around waste and plastic waste was not necessarily written with chemical recycling in mind. So one of our challenges at the moment is to make sure that new technologies fit into this legislative framework. So, Dennis, back to you. Um, what sort of partnerships, innovations, what, what's coming from Dow in order to reflect what is coming our way with the EU Green Deal? Yeah, I guess there's really two that we should highlight here. One is that we've just announced a partnership with Shell, where we have announced that we're working together on developing e-cracking technology. So that's electric cracking Cracking is the process at the heart of the chemical industry's production process and also the plastics production process. And if we manage to develop this technology that will allow us to electrify those cracker installations that we have right now and run them on renewable electricity, so CO2-free electricity, that will help us significantly reduce our carbon footprint in the plastics production process. And then the second piece of partnerships that I think is worth mentioning here is that we, as Dow, have a partnership with a Dutch company called Phoenix that is helping us deliver feedstock recycling technology that will help us make plastics circular in the way that David just described as well. So just going back to this interesting concept, I mean, many people won't know that uh, it's the process of cracking that leads to the, the plastics, etc., isn't it quite energy intensive as a process? It is. And that's the reason why we put so much hope and emphasis actually on electrifying the cracking process. And if and when we manage to electrify that process, we will have taken out of the production process around probably 90% of the CO2 emissions that the entire process accounts for. So it's a very, very significant part of the solution to making plastics climate neutral. So David, um, your perspective, what sort of initiatives and commitments are you seeing coming our way from the industry as a whole to end plastics waste, but also make sure that the, the CO2 footprint is, remains low? Yeah, I think it's a really exciting time for for the industry. We see our members coming up with new announcements every single week. Um, but I think the most important there is that the entire industry is united. Uh, and we've got our smartest scientists, our youngest innovators, thinking of new solutions for this uh, for this challenge. 
Dennis, back to you. Um, Dow has a global goal, which is called close the loop. I mean, maybe you could expand on a little bit about what that actually means. But I'm also interested to know what Dow in Europe is doing in this space and how we can reflect a global goal into a, a European space with the EU Green Deal. Sure. So what we mean by that is that we will help by enabling 100% of our products that are sold into the packaging sector to be reusable or recyclable. And we've said we would do that by 2035. Uh, the EU has plastics packaging recycling targets in place, uh, 50% by 2025, 55% by 2030. And the plastics industry has a voluntary commitment in place that says we will achieve 60% by uh, 2030. And we've also pledged on top of that to the European Commission that we will use 100,000 tons of recyclate every year by 2025. So those are several actions that Dow has taken that are driven globally, but that have a very concrete European angle there and that will all drive to close the loop and make plastics more circular. So, Dennis, we are a global business. Is the EU regulation important for us or is this a sort of an annoying thorn in the side for us? There's no question that EU regulation is very important for us. First of all, we have a significant industrial footprint in Europe. Of course, the EU also acts very much as a global standard setter. And in that sense, the EU really acts as a leader in putting in place the framework conditions, in this case for the plastics industry. And in fact, we are seeing already a discussion that is now talking about a global plastics framework where the EU will definitely play a leadership role in this discussion that we're expecting to play out over the next couple of years or so. And back over to you, David. Um, do you believe that this legislation is going to enable the plastics industry or plastics as a material to remain competitive? Or will you see brand owners, retailers... Um, other end value chain partners moving to other materials potentially? It's a very good question, Julian. I think there are lots of different elements to that answer. But I think first and foremost, it's important to remember that a lot of the EU's regulatory push around plastics is to make sure that plastics is sustainable. What we're looking at is increasing recycling rates, changing the design of plastics with end of life in mind, and making sure that plastics becomes a really circular material. And what that means particularly is that plastics goes into new products and new plastics. So if this legislation uh, drive pushes ahead, it will, of course, make sure that we address some of the challenges that plastics does face, low recycling rates, uh, marine litter and plastic waste. And that will, of course, allow us to benefit from all of the great things that we know that plastics can do, whether it be protecting food, extending shelf life or reducing emissions from transport. So I think that the approach of the regulator at the moment is not necessarily penalizing plastics. It is slightly changing what the business model of plastics looks like, however. Some of the initiatives that have come out of the EU haven't always been popular. I'm thinking some of the taxes around SUP or single-use plastics and the plastics levy. Can you explain how this fits into the big picture? How would that be? So I think there are one or two policies that maybe oversimplify the situation and maybe suggest that it's about substituting plastic for another single-use material. But I think what's important to note is the EU plastic strategy and then the follow-on actions in the EU Green Deal and Circular Economy Action Plan. It's actually a very holistic and very comprehensive policy program 
with 40 to 50 different initiatives looking at all stages of a plastics life cycle, trying to make it more sustainable, trying to make it more circular with lots of different actions in there and actions that we as an industry are very engaged in and in many cases very supportive of. Dennis, anything to add to that? I completely agree with that. I think uh, it's uh, sometimes overlooked that the plastic strategy and the measures on plastics incorporated in the EU Green Deal taken together, once they're all implemented, will make sure that the EU plastics economy really has the incentives in place to become circular. And that is something we fully support. Dennis, you know, obviously there's other geographies within Dow that it's not just Europe, there's North America, there's Asia-Pac, there's Latin America. Do you see other geos or geographies looking at Europe um, to see if this is, is something that could be done differently from, from their perspective? I definitely think that is the case. Uh, I think there are differences across the different geographies, though, that mean that the debates and the focus is maybe somewhat different. But we certainly have a lot of interest in what Europe is doing in terms of uh, putting in place a circular economy and finding solutions that can be scaled uh, to a global level. David, there's been some significant economic impacts because of the pandemic. Um, do you see this as changing the political backing at all for the, the Green Deal objectives? Yeah, Judy, it's been a challenging time for our industry. You know, we had a quarter of this year where production in many sectors stopped. But I think it also really showed what the value of plastics is. And people started to recognize what plastics can do, whether it be in the medical side and PPE or whether it be in protecting food. So on the face of it, no, we don't really see any change. And in fact, the European Commission sees the green transition as one of the real pillars of the recovery and sees it as Europe's growth strategy. And I think as an industry, we're also not really changing our path in terms of the circularity transition. And there are, of course, opportunities here. Um, you know, post-COVID recovery funding give uh, funding for Green Deal objectives. So we could see more and more uh, public and private funding going into waste management, new collection or sorting technologies, new recycling technologies, uh, as we've talked about earlier. I mean, obviously, you represent a, a substantial amount of industry members. What would you like to see them do more of? And how can each company really accelerate change alongside the EU legislation? Yeah, I think the plastics industry is very diverse and our members sell into lots of different applications. So they all have their own role to play in terms of innovating, in terms of making plastics a circular material. Uh, what I would like to see from them, I think uh, it's important for us to realize as an industry that we don't yet have all of the answers. Uh, we don't yet have all of the business models. But what I would like us to do is make sure that we are able to talk about some of the solutions that we are working on, make clear that this is a transformation and show some of the innovation going on and how we might see the future, even if we're not 100% sure that that will be the future, but to keep telling about the stories and the projects that we are working on. So just to encapsulate, David, what is working and what would you like to see more of? I think what's working is acknowledging that this is a transition and that we're looking at solutions that in some cases are five years away, but in other cases might be 10 or 20 years away. So we do need to acknowledge that that will take time and that we will need to have uh, a transition and give space for that. I think what we would like to see more of or what we would like to see changing is 
a more clear and a consistent regulatory framework. If this is going to take time, we don't necessarily need the goalposts moved every 18 months or every two years. We need to have the certainty of what the regulatory landscape is going to look like in five or ten years. The other thing that I think it's important to focus on is the EU as a single market and how that can drive our innovation in this plastics transition and in this circularity transition is avoiding a situation where different governments in that single market impose different requirements or different targets. So as much as possible, what we would like to see more of is a really harmonized European approach giving us the same requirements in all 27 countries that make up the EU. Thank you. And Dennis, from your perspective, what do you believe is working and what would you like to see more of? So I think what is definitely working is that there is a broad recognition, I think, across all stakeholder groups, including the industry, of the urgency that is associated with the plastics questions. What I think is missing is the realization that addressing those issues does take time. The industry, uh, Dow included, is moving very quickly. A lot of that movement is behind the scenes uh, for the time being, so not necessarily very visible. The issue I think that we have uh, currently, while we are in this transition period, is that we are seeing policymakers pushing for more, wanting to go ahead and wanting to tighten the conditions further and further because they're not yet seeing those solutions. Dennis, final word to you. What is coming for the plastics packaging industry over the next few years? What transformations do we need to see within our own company? Well, I think they are the kinds of transformations that we've already started working on very intensively. Um, It is making plastics circular and reducing our CO2 footprint in the production process. I think it's important to realize, though, that these kinds of things are major transformations in the industrial level and uh, will take some time to materialize. But the work is going on and I'm very confident that we will get there. So it is clear that the Green Deal is a major piece of legislation that's going to affect all industries, uh, local governments, the plastics industry, and all the way down to the consumer. So as much as it can be seen to be raising a lot of challenges to push the transformation of the plastics industry, it's also going to create significant opportunities. Dennis, David, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Judy. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Plastics Unwrapped creating a circular economy for plastics. The series is hosted by Judy Hicks and presented by Dow. Stay in touch and feel free to share.